Hello, listener. Welcome to Switch It, the podcast that considers 16 hours of blocking it as time well spent. Yes, England and West Indies served up another stalemate out in the Caribbean, despite another fight to the finish on the final day, as Craig Brathwaite produced the most frustrating act of obstruction since that container ship got stuck in the Suez Canal. The first drawn test at Barbados in a decade was nevertheless one to remember, whether for good reasons or bad. Joining me once again to discuss the state of the series, with England still in contention for a rare Windies win, are UK editor Andrew Miller, more of a good time, not a long time occupier of the crease, has to be said, uh, and assistant editor Matt Roller, who aged so much during the course of Brathwaite's innings that he now looks old enough to do, be doing a paper round. Hello, chaps. I hope you're uh, both well. Miller, uh, fair to say that the daily grind was beginning to grind your gears by the end? I mean, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> Look, I'm sure we'll get into the in, ins and outs and the wares and wifors of, of, of test cricket and boring flat decks and, and, and all the rest of it. First things first, Craig Brathwaite's innings was... Well, two innings, his entire test was immense. There's no getting away from that. When you bat for 673 balls and and, and break pretty much every record going in, in, in West Indies batting history for, for crease occupation, um, I mean, fair play. Well, well done, heroic effort. And on his watch, West Indies are well on course to defend their uh, very proud record of only one defeat against England in the Caribbean in 50 years. That said... Yes, it did grind my gears. Um, I do have major concerns about the importance of Test cricket being interesting. Uh, look, I'm, 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 I've been watching it long enough to know that one or two dead decks and boring matches is not going to upset the fabric of the universe too much, but too many of them will. And I, you know, looking looking across to Raw Pindi as well. And looking across the IPL beginning next week, I, I do think it's imperative that Test cricket tries harder to be interesting. Um, we'll come we'll come back to the ins and outs of that in, in due course, I'm sure. But that's my opening statement on the matter. Yeah, we will dig into that. We won't um, leave it all to Craig. Um, but Matt, pl- plenty has been written over the years about Caribbean flair, style, panache of their batters. None of that really applied to, to this pair of innings. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think there's a stat floating around that Brathwaite is uh, the only player in the T20 era to have played more than 50 tests without making any kind of T20 appearance at any level. Mm. Um, and that probably uh, gives you the sort of indication if you weren't lucky enough to sit through the 670-odd balls he faced uh, across the last week or so uh, as to what sort of innings uh, the, the two innings were. Um, yeah, obviously a, a triumph of uh, concentration and mental resolve and all that sort of thing. But yeah, there were there were times when it slipped into not being particularly um, watchable. That said, that I suppose there were uh, moments in that test that were sort of did get the, the juices going a bit. I think particularly um, Ben Stokes' sort of charge uh, towards 100 before lunch on the second morning, which feels feels an awful long time ago now at the time of recording. Um, that was it, sort of the, the the innings, I suppose, that proved that Stokes was was back after a pretty um pretty quiet time of it, I suppose, with the bat in the past couple of years in Test cricket. Um, and I think England also probably have learned a little bit, um, some good, some bad about uh, the seamers uh, that have been tasked with leading this uh, the much vaunted reset um, on this tour, um, particularly Saqib Mahmood, who impressed a lot. Um, and I'm sure we'll uh, get on to discuss those debuts a bit more uh, in detail as, as we were on. 
Uh, yes, well, so we had, uh, as in Antigua, we had a, an England declaration on the final day. We had a, a target, a carrot dangled of sorts. Uh, West Indies this time had 65 overs to um, see out the day. Ended it five down. There was there was tension um, in the middle. There, there was also Craig Brathwaite, um, <laughs> as he had been for pretty much m most of the test. Um, and, and we, we will um, we'll come to uh, England's part in it, Miller, but I, I, I guess we should really um, continue with the, the, the Brathwaite um, fest, the slowest gun in the West Indies. Uh, he, some of the stats, it, it was 673 balls he faced over the course of the, uh, the match. That's the joint 13th in test history. I think that only the, uh, the second, uh, only, only one, Batter this century has has faced more balls in a test. That was Stephen Fleming in Colombo. Um, he batted for uh, almost sixteen hours. Yeah, seven hundred and ten minutes in the first innings, two hundred and forty-five uh, in the second. Um, described as a marathon innings, but actually in that time, theoretically, the world record holder Eliud Kipchoge could have run eight marathons. Um, <laughs> you could you could also have watched uh, three series of Piggy Blinders. You could have seen that sat through the entire. Uh, Ring Cycle uh, by Wagner, of course. Um, all of the Marvel Avengers movies. Uh, Miller, what, <laughs> would you have been preferring to do any of those things? You could have watched the entire Six Nations, I suspect, as well, which <laughs> frankly uh, competed for attention on, on the Saturday, that's for sure. Um, look, the, there, are, there are all sorts of things to say about Craig Brathwaite's innings that, that are good and very important for the rebuild of West Indies. I mean, we talk a lot about the reset of English cricket, but West Indies, it's, it's vital. The West Indies are a competitive test nation. And the one thing he was saying at the end of the test was that we are committed to learning on the hoof. He was asked, are you going to try and be a bit more proactive in the final test and try and nick it? And he was pretty, pretty blunt, said, no, no, we, we, are, we are not going to try to run before we can walk. We are very much a work in progress. And that progress requires us to be diligent, to knuckle down, to do the, do the basics right. And nobody does the basics better than him. I mean, he just got in the way every single time. The only ball that got him out was an absolute ripper from Jack Leach, one of the best balls he's ever ever bowled in his life. Uh, one of the best balls a, a left-arm English spinner has ever bowled, I suspect, because there can't have been that many of them. The, the pitch that's a leg and, or pitched on leg and hit the top of off. Um, Phil Tuffman would have been proud of it. He would have, he would have been, genuinely. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I, there's, a, there's a part of me that just worries that... Just survival for the sake of survival is not really viable in in this day and age. And you know, the, Matt, Matt made the interesting point there about about the fact that he's never played T Twenty cricket. It feels as though at the moment, you know, back in the day, Test cricket was the absolute pinnacle. Everyone pays lip service to the fact that it's the pinnacle, but is it the pinnacle anymore? Genuinely, I mean, in the past ten years, and I'm I'm the late adopter, frankly, of of this of this sort of slightly world weary doom and gloom aspect to. You know, test cricket is is actually withering on the vine, but it does feel as though that we're, we've reached a sort of parting of 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 the waves here with test cricket, whereby, and certainly England have been guilty of this in in recent times. You look at the way that England try to stack up their top three until Root's promotion recently. They've basically gone for the the guys least likely to be drawn into a into a white ball team. Gone for the most dull, boring, get in the way batsmen they can they can think of. Uh, Zach Crawley accepted maybe. But, you know, they, it does feel as though, you know, it's only 10 years ago, say, that West, Indy were, West Indies opener was also the guy who was about to go on to become the greatest T20 batsman of all time. Chris Gale scored two triple centuries as a test batsman, most recently in 2011. So even though, 
you know, people have been talking about doom and gloom with Test cricket for as long as it's been it's been in existence. There has been proof all the way along that you know what, actually, when it comes down to it, the very, very, very best players in the world play Test cricket, value Test cricket, are going to get stuck into Test cricket, and when they do, it enhances the game and enhances the entire game. Right now, we've got the as I mentioned, you've got the IPL starting next week. We've got a situation whereby West Indies are a classic example of this. Most of the greatest players in West Indies cricket of recent vintage, Karen Pollard, Andre Russell, you know, Narine, all these other guys, you don't see them for dust in Test cricket. They, they, it's completely peeled away from what it used to be. Therefore, I do think it is important that Test cricket is interesting. You can't just rely on Test cricket having a leeching off its own reputation as the pinnacle and thereby eroding that pinnacle because it's not actually as competitive, it's not actually as interesting as it used to be. That's that's my greatest concern. Therefore, you know, Craig Brathwaite, magnificent within the context of what he was trying to achieve, magnificent within the context of, of where Test Cricket needs to be to, to stay interesting and stay at the top of the pinnacle of, of, of cricket... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. St- I think the jury's still out. And frankly, you know, of the innings that that took place in this test, and it's not just English bias saying this. Ben Stokes was far more interesting and far more valuable because here's a guy who is genuinely a world great within the context of of, of, of the modern era, trying to put a very interesting session of play into a test match. I think you know, injecting life into into the game is vital. Uh, that's extracting life endlessly right from the outset of the first innings of, of, of your test match. Is that really what we what we were queuing up to watch here? I'm not convinced it is. And, you know, well, I, I could bang on, but I'll, I'll stop for the moment. Because, you know. <laughs> well, I'll say that the um, the Barmy Army were queuing up to watch whatever, I think, uh, we, we've established from the uh, attendances and the um, uh, visible fans in the stands at Kensington Oval. Um, clearly, the, the home support was a, maybe a... a a tad more indifferent um to well, that's those, a, that, um... that actually i'm afraid is a, is a very very important point to this yeah you know if if the entire if the entirety of west indies test cricket is basically designed to ensure that the visiting english supporters who are paying more money i mean you know it's, a, it's an official the, the 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 ticket policy on the final day was basically twice as much for visiting fans which is fine that's something that's been standard over the years but clearly they're trying to make as much money out of the visiting fans as possible and the best way to do that in the short term is to make sure that these tests last 15 days rather than nine, say. But in the long term, is this really going to encourage these guys to, to, to keep coming back to test cricket in the Caribbean? People will come back to the Caribbean endlessly, no doubt. Are they going to come back to the Caribbean and think, oh, you know what, I'm going to go and watch the cricket? No, I'll go and sit on the beach, thanks. It's not, it's, not, it's not investing in the game in the long term. Look, the other thing, we've got, you know, back home, we, we're watching this. Throughout this whole series, I've got my daughters sitting watching watching it because, you know, they have to, because they don't have any choice, because it's my job, so suck it up. But, you know, every time there's an advert break, it's bloody advert, pure cremation. You know, my daughter's actually, finds this hilarious. I think she's already signed me up for it. But, you know, basically, <laughs> the, the, we're, we're planning to burn off the, the, the fans who already exist in Test Cricket. That's, that's basically the only, the only aim of the game, is to cash in on the fact that, you know, the only people watching this are getting older. You're not really going to drag in a new audience with the fare that we're being served up here, I'm afraid. And, and that is a, is a long-term concern for the game. Well, let's, let's uh, ask a child of C20 here. Um, 
uh, there are two things I suppose actually Matt um, more specifically in this case um, one is pitches I suppose um, and whether so whether the style of play that uh, West Indies have adopted um, in these couple of the, these two tests to a degree is is just in response to the surface that is prepared and obviously then that comes down to uh, grounds groundsmen and, and um, uh, the, the venue and what what you may or may not have asked for um, and so on um, and also the the question of whether draws are uh, or separately really but whether draws are such a bad thing um, of I mean, turgid draws uh, specifically, you might say in this case, but the draw is is actually not gone out of the game um, in tests. But I think um, a stat from our, our good friend Jared Kimber, something like 24 draws since the start of 2018 out of about 160 tests. Um, there have only been five draws in, in the West Indies since, uh, since the start of 2018 out of 18 tests and three of those have been in Antigua. So mm. again, that sort of brings us back to pitch venue. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah. no easy answer for you there, but <laughs> what's, um, what's the most pressing concern, do you think, um, well, as someone who yeah, perhaps grew up with a, a faster, more uh, flashy form of the game uh, to catch the eye? Yeah, well, I think there's quite a lot to chew through, isn't there? I think, um, well, firstly, I suppose it's worth pointing out that England's visit is quite a sort of outlier series almost for West Indies in the scale of um, touring fans who come over. I think no other country brings anything like the same number of supporters over. Um, clearly, just a, a lot of that's due to geographical proximity um, and the fact that a lot of English holiday makers will go to the Caribbean anyway um, for a trip. Um, and obviously the fact that England have this um, touring support that a lot of other countries just just don't have around the world. Um, I think you, you've got to think a couple of things. Firstly, the, the context of this series, you, you know, this series was originally scheduled to be a two test series, um, which had um, some T20s added to it, which happened in January because of uh, the fact that West Indies came over here two summers ago, or 18 months ago, I suppose, um, during a pandemic and an extra test added to it. Um, for the same reason and at the time if you think about the financial health of cricket west indies at the time i think pretty much everyone in the, the organization including the players had taken a, a 50 percent pay cut to come over um so it, it does sort of illustrate the fact that um it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if um not only cricket west indies but more more widely the region um is sort of milking fans to a certain extent i think they're probably you know much as it might not be um a, a long-term strategy in the short term i can see the pragmatic argument to do it um secondly i think there's a bit of a disconnect actually between um what the west indies teams seem to have wanted and ordered in terms of pitches and what they've actually been served up so i wonder where the balance of power lies between um the team and then the, the for example the barbados cricket association this week um because roddy eswick the sort of um i suppose larger than life bowling coach came out on the on the first evening and was asked you know is this is this the pitch you ordered after England had lost what was it um two wickets all day and then Dan Lawrence to the final ball um and he, he said absolutely not you know we, we were hoping for something with a bit more life in it and um this looks eerily reminiscent of the the um sort of flat the, the road that we were served up in Antigua so I don't necessarily think that um West Indies would have wanted the surfaces that they've been um, prepared so far in this series. Um, and, and I think that's particularly the case when you consider um, the 2019 series and how well they did on um, those pitches, which had so much more life in them and um, 
yeah, meant, meant that their fast bowling attack could really, um, you know, uh, could could make hay against a, a pretty uh, vulnerable batting lineup at the time. Um, in, in terms of, I suppose, more widely, the questions about the, the health of the game and everything, I, I think, interesting, I was going to pick up on a point that Miller said about um, the, the defensiveness almost of a lot of top three batters. Um, I, I wonder to what extent that is because we're living in such a, Bowler-dominated era more widely in Tess. Um, so you, you, you know, the job of an opening batter as much as anything is to see off um, the new ball because it, it's doing so much these days. Because you have um, generally around the world, I think pitches that have offered a lot to, to um, new ball new ball bowlers. I think all. Um, I think we had quite a long statistical analysis on the site the other day about how this is the bowler-dominated era uh, in in Test cricket, basically. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it's a tricky one. I think we, we've got to obviously be careful of overreacting to recent events. Um, I think we're on course. I think we've not had a nil-nil three-test series since 2013, Alan, and we're on course for uh, <laughs> two <laughs> simultaneous ones at the moment. So obviously it does feel like we've sort of been staring at paint drying for the past uh, however long since the start of Pakistan and Australia. But um, yeah, I, I do definitely take the point. If you If you wanted to watch sport on Saturday afternoon in the UK, you had a lot of better options than... Uh, than, than the fourth day of the Barbados test, which was pretty dreary stuff. Um, and there is obviously this sort of general existential crisis around test cricket. Um, and, and you only have to compare the um, the five days of the Barbados test and the number of local fans that came out to the, to the T20 series at the end of January, where there genuinely were quite a lot of local fans by the end, um, sort of really gripping series to and fro, um, West Indies winning right at the end of the final game uh, with Jason Holder taking four and four, all that sort of thing. It's it sort of moments that lived in the memory a lot more than uh, most of this test will, I imagine. Um, so, of course, I think there's a balance to strike. And I, I, to be honest, I think that West Indies and probably Craig Brathwaite himself would have sacrificed, um, you know, they, they, I th I'm sure Brathwaite would much rather have faced, say, 300 balls in this match rather than 670 if it had meant that there'd been a pitch where his seamers could have had a bit of assistance early on. Um, and could have had a genuine chance at forcing a win rather than sort of from, you know, pretty much the, the third session of the game, their best result they could have could have managed was a draw, barring something pretty remarkable. Yeah, and I suppose West Indies have been um, have been put in that position, haven't they, by uh, the, the way the matches have panned out to a degree. Um, certainly England winning the toss and scoring 500, quite a rare event um, in recent times. Uh, but then, then the, the best response from the West Indies perspective was to grind up uh, and get as close as possible. Um, Miller, on, on, the, on the pitches thing, we've kind of, um, the, the perennial kind of um, grumble is that life has gone out of pitches in the Caribbean. Um, Jeff Boycott, I think, had a, had, a, uh, had his um, uh, Tuppany Worth in, in the paper the other day. He knows a little bit about being um, uh, uh, in the crosshairs on a, on a quick deck out, out in the Caribbean. Um, but actually, in, in recent times, it has been a pretty good place to bowl, uh, for, you know, for seam bowling. Uh, England got, got um, uh, ceremoniously blitzed there in, in 2019, um, as, as we all remember. Um, they won the St. Lucia test. Uh, St. Lucia, I think, is, is considered perhaps one of the, the, the best um, pitches going around in, in the West Indies. Uh, Mark Wood certainly um, went pretty well on it uh, on that occasion. Um, but Kimar Roach said during this game in, in Barbados, um, obviously his home ground, uh, talk, talking about pitches, he said they're a bit of a concern. There's no enjoyment for fast bowling anymore. It's all dead tracks now. 
Um, it's concerning for me with a group of good fast bowlers coming through. Roach actually averages uh, 19.81 uh, at home <laughs> since 2018. Um, so they can't have been too bad. But clearly there has been, for this series, um, a swing, it seems. And, and it hasn't helped um, the entertainment value. It certainly hasn't helped the England you know, with the, the Red Bull reset on the bowling side, because <laughs> for the seamers, it's been awfully hard yakka. Um, and, and a couple of um, veteran uh, uh, test uh, wicket takers sitting back home probably aren't minding too much missing out now. Um, <laughs> but can we hope for a bit better in Grenada, do you think? And, uh, or, you know, and, and should we be a little bit forgiving of some of the tactics uh, in light of uh, what they've had to play on? Oh sure! Look, look, look I, 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 again, I, I hark back to what I said earlier. You know, Craig Brathwaite's performance was ex- exceptional within the context of what he was trying to achieve. But you know, and, and you're right. I mean, Matt makes a good, fair point about about the about, about the how it's been, in theory, a good era for fast bowling and and you know wickets falling everywhere. But I, I, I contend is is that really is that really down to the pure merits of the bowlers, or is it simply the fact the quality of Test cricket isn't what it used to be? And I'm not convinced the quality is what it used to be. I'm not convinced that the players who are trying to play Test cricket, and you know, I, I'm all for fusion. I, I I happen to believe that the best recent, probably the best era of Test cricket ever, to be perfectly honest, was that period right at the turn of the millennium, um, around the time then when when Australia were the best team in the world, rising. West Indies had recently been the best team falling. England were improving with the central contracts and Nasser, etc. South Africa were a fine side. Uh, Pakistan had, had wasn't wacker. You know, there was there was all of these different teams were all mashed together in that particular era. You could guarantee that wherever you went around the world, even in Zimbabwe with Andy Flower and Co, wherever you went in the world, you could guarantee the absolute best players in the world were invested in Test cricket and were going to be throwing it at you left, right, and centre. So you know, sometimes you would get seriously boring games and sometimes you get games where people were blitzed in in the matter of minutes but within the wider context of what it all meant for test cricket in that era I don't think it's been bettered and since then I just don't think we've had that same guarantee of quality in the test game that that, that we had then and you know it's, it's, a, it's a bit like it's as far as I'm concerned it's a bit like climate change you can people can can rant and rail about about climate change from from the year dot and you can get called out as a bit of a bit of a weirdo and a bit a bit whack for for shouting about it but ultimately you know everyone gets on board at, at some stage and start realizing you know what they may have a point maybe there is a problem here as far as i'm concerned i got on board about six years ago i reckon six or seven maybe eight years ago when you know when it became clear that you know the ipl was here for, here for keeps and and the, the the dynamics of the game were shifting so much that you know t20 was the new zeitgeist and and you know it wasn't a case that back in the day in in that in that turn of the millennium era, the be- the reason why Test cricket was so good as well was I believe it it was taking an awful lot of lessons out of one day cricket, and you know Steve Waugh in particular, his team was starting to bat at three and a half four and over, you know really putting pedal to the metal, adopting one day tactics in a way that uh, that really enhanced Test cricket because Test cricket is so good has traditionally and all you know again people will defend it because it is really good at, at morphing and really good at adapting to its new environment. But my, my concern right now is it's almost cloistering itself off from its new environment. It should be a situation whereby you take the best of T20. And in, to a certain degree, that does happen. You get Rishabh Pant steaming in in a test match and, you know, <clears throat> belting a, a ridiculous century from the middle of nowhere. 
and you think, wow, that's incredible. And Ben Stokes, again, kind of did a little bit of that the other day. You're borrowing, borrowing methods and tactics that, that, that have really been enhanced in T20. I'm just not sure there's enough of that going on at the moment. I'm not sure there's enough buy-in to the new environment. It's almost as though Test cricket is trying to keep itself removed and almost because, you know, the, the, the effort and the strain and the requirements of Test cricket compared to T20 are so polarised at the moment, it's really hard to do both. And therefore, you're increasingly getting guys who do one or the other. And Brathwaite being a classic example, in, you know, increasingly England have, have gone down a route more recently of, you know, that team they picked in for the uh, South Africa tour recently when, you know, all, all pretty much all the new guys were 22 and under because, you know, they almost been picked before they got sucked into T20 cricket. You can almost mould them as test cricketers in, in real time. The pandemic hit that a little bit, but uh, they're, they're still there. Dan Lawrence, we'll come on to him in a minute. You know, he's he's a, he's a guy who hasn't uh, hasn't quite been picked up by the T20 bug yet, but it looks like he's got the chops for t- Test cricket. Um, I just I just I just do worry. There's not enough of that crossover to keep keep the sport as relevant as it should be. I was going to say, just going back uh, slightly in your argument there, I, I thought you were referring to um, the thing that turned you around to global warming being the IPL, uh, which, uh, <laughs> well, that too. you know, is a load of hot air at times. Well, but, and, and uh, NFTs as well. And arguably some of England's test match batting has been rather too much like a T20 uh, in, <laughs> during the Ashes, the totals um, were... <laughs> weren't troubling um, traditional uh, uh, um, heights. Um, I mean, uh, <coughs> slight, slight digression here. Uh, uh, I look at some of the things that you see around uh, the test game now, um, whether the qualities are high, I think Miller definitely has a point there, but there's, there's definitely a, um, some, some ups and downs, some, some watchable stuff. I mean, I'm thinking about Bangladesh winning in, uh, in New Zealand, um, India going and, and winning in, um, uh, in uh, Australia and and over in England, um, England's various ups and downs are usually quite entertaining. I mean, certainly compared to like the England team of the '90s that I was first introduced to, there were ups and downs, but there were a lot of downs. Um, and I mean, think like the, the the 2000 series against West Indies when you know they England won. Uh, the Wisdom Trophy for the first time after 31 years or something. A hugely entertaining series, but not very high on quality. Um, you know, team West Indies being bowled out for 50 um, on two occasions, I think, and uh, you know, two-day tests and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, um, but perhaps this is kind of long grass stuff, but Matt, it is seemingly very difficult for t20 and test cricket to sort of coexist coexist they're almost separate sports or they're, they're they've been heading that way um increasingly if you want to be really good at one um it's hard to be really good at the other and i mean there clearly are those players that can can um have a foot in and say both camps as, as a third format so i don't know how that works but um you know uh it it, it that i can i'm wondering if there's a future where t20 is a different sport and test cricket is a different sport and test cricket is diminished because of it uh, it is a tough question. I think if you look at um, if you look at um, the players involved in this test, I suppose it's probably instructive that only a handful of them are um, flying to the IPL. I mean, part of the reason they're not so many have been picked up is because um, of the fact that they're playing in this series and therefore going to be late to the IPL. But I suppose it's pretty much just looking through the sides. I think Bairstow is the only guy who played for England in uh, the last test. He's 
off to the IPL. And I think Jason Holder is the only um, member of the West Indies team. So, yeah, I, on, on that point alone, I mean, if you had a similar situation in previous years, you'd expected a, a decent number more, especially if you go back, you know, sort of, I suppose, England's tour, tour previous tours in uh, 2019, 2015, 2009. I expect if you look through those, um, squads you would have a significantly bigger um, contingent off to the IPL in those same years. Um, and I suppose Stokes is probably quite a good case in point, actually, because, um, you know, he's obviously decided this year that he, he wants to be part of Roots, of Roots' great reset and uh, wants to give his all to the test team after sort of trying to um, balance everything and ending up sort of burning himself out last year. Um, and, it, you know, it seems like, uh, it, I, I think that was quite an interesting backdrop to that innings he played because, it was obviously the, the slight oddity of, um, you know, the fact that it was a sort of swashbuckling T20 style innings for a lot of it and pretty much taking on his matchup when the left arm spinner, Permal, came on and he smoked him over mid-wicket and down the ground and all that sort of thing and the IPL trumpet klaxon going off in the stands. Um, so, yeah, it was quite quite an interesting backdrop to that innings, the fact he won't be involved this year. And then, yeah, I suppose the young players are the interesting ones as well, um, more so because um, I suppose you... you Interesting, you mentioned sort of the the lack of T20 skills crossover. I think actually, um, Saqib Mahmood, who was really impressive, I thought, on debut, given it, what a grim pitch it was. I actually think he probably has has learned some of the skills that he, he showed, particularly stuff like um, getting the ball to reverse and being able to control that reverse. I think he, he's spoken in the past about how um, he's had a, a couple of stints out in the Pakistan Super League playing for... I think Peshawar with Wahab Riaz, who is, I suppose, one of the, the better white ball exponents of reverse swing in, in recent years, um, and has spoken about how how um, sort of learning under his tutelage has been very, very beneficial for him. So interesting to see him bring those skills in. But yeah, and then I suppose people like Lawrence as well. Those, those two innings he's played in the, the respective third innings of each game um, have both been sort of, again, um, almost T20 style innings at a point where he's played some pretty, pretty outrageous shots. I mean, particularly the one that um, he was actually out to in the, in the um, third innings of this game was yeah, uh, quite of. something, throwing himself off his feet. And I, I have no idea what he was trying to do. And Flamingo, Pogo. Got into... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, perhaps <clears throat> uh, uh, as Miller says, you know, that is the best, of, the best of all uh, worlds if you can combine it. And and to focus on perhaps some of the the, the details and the more um, praiseworthy elements of, of this test, um, Miller, England, you know, pushed hard throughout the red the red ball reset um, from a batting point of view, despite being you know twenty seven for three on the first morning of the series, is is actually going pretty swimmingly. Uh, we'll, we'll get on some of the bowling. Um, in a bit, but um, you know, Joe Root has picked up his form from from twenty twenty one. Scored his twenty fifth Test hundred. Stokes got his first since since twenty twenty, um, <clears throat> and yeah, really, really sort of motored into that innings. Um, Fifty off seventy three, hundred off one hundred and fourteen. Uh, nearly got a century before before lunch. Um, century in a session, which you know there aren't um, loads of those floating around over the history of the of the game. Um, and then, but arguably the most sort of impressive uh, uh, player uh, from an England perspective um, was Stan Lawrence. Um, missed out on that maiden ton in the first innings, maybe just uh, got a little bit impetuous as, as the close approached. Um, hit Holder for Jason Holder for a couple of very impressive uh, boundaries and then uh, plinked one to uh, extra cover. Um, but I mean, Joe Root said he uh, uh, didn't expect it to be long 
uh, before Lawrence will be um, bringing up a, a hundred in Test cricket. Uh, the, the signs are, are positive for, uh, for for him on that front. They certainly are. I mean, you know, again, we've got to we've got to throw in the massive caveat that these pitches have been dead as dead as doornails. Therefore, you know, no seam movement, no 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 spin. I mean, he got he got he got pretty found out in India in when 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 they turned up the spin settings, and you know, he will have harder challenges than this. So you've got to got to got to sprinkle a little bit of seasoning on this but within the context of what he's what he's been asked to do he's done it exceptionally well I mean I, I was right about him this morning in fact and um you know it, it reminds me a little bit of of Graham Thorpe in intent in terms of Thorpe when he came into the side in in 93 94 as part of a new new team with Mike Athlon as the captain and you know Graham Gooch wasn't there initially and it was it was a kind of a a bit of a reset in a different way in back then, and Thorpe was was a guy who who got who got the memo. He he was a guy who was willing to go uh, go for broke. He didn't get any hundreds. Uh, he got one on debut, but he didn't get any um, thereafter for a while because he was he was willing to to go 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 hard for the team, and and that was that was a, that was a good sign in 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 that sense, and also you know the way in which he has gone about building his innings. Very different to, as mentioned, the the top three, the the very correct and 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 regimented approach that England have taken to their top three batting in recent times. As as I say, I think it's a consequence of of them just just trying to find anyone who could just hold up an end and and not screw it up. Uh, whereas Dan Lawrence has got a little bit more license to do things differently. He is a different type of player, as um as mentioned in the piece I wrote. Uh, you know, he he started life as the son of the groundsman at, at his local club in in Chingford, and and therefore he had this oddly privileged existence whereby he could literally walk out of his back garden into the nets, and 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 so he was he was basically a self-taught cricketer, and very much in the mould of a of, of an Asian cricketer, frankly. You know, he, there it was, it was it was just on his doorstep. He teach himself to his bowling action, classic example of a guy who who clearly has never never had a day's coaching in his life when it came to it came to you know, building the action. Obviously, you know, now he's a professional cricketer, of course people are coaching him, but, you know, the basics are a very homespun technique. And it paid dividends, you know. I did, I must admit, I did have doubts initially on that on that uh, second innings in Antigua when, you know, after England had done the right thing for a little while in terms of trying to bat properly and get their, get their minds back into test match batting after a pretty woeful ashes out comes Lawrence retreating to leg opening up his stance and yonking extra cover drives inside out uh, for four and six over the ball I thought okay this is all very pretty but is this actually going to help you in the long run in test cricket but actually it does seem it's, it may be the right thing for him it's just like you know it's a mindset for, for Lawrence there's a mindset for all of them but but Lawrence's mindset does seem to be malleable and he can adapt to the situation uh, quite quickly, so that was very encouraging, and and I mentioned his bowling briefly, but equally, I I was incredibly impressed with his bowling insofar as he was a guy willing to toss it up and give it a rip, and frankly, on these pitches, uh, he taught Jack Leach a thing or two. To to be perfectly honest, I mean, you know, everyone was banging on about Jack Leach. You know, he bowled beautifully in insofar as he he gave nothing away for 94.5 overs which is incredible more than a day's worth of bowling out of a five day test and uh, he goes for barely one and a half an over which is fantastic um but he didn't toss it up much he didn't trust his loop he didn't trust the bite off the pitch to tempt the bats from down, down the pitch and try to you know get them honking it to cover or getting out stumped he, he was spearing it in a little bit more 
uh, you know, just just didn't want to give runs away, which is perfectly understandable because you know he's a guy who's still finding his way back into the team. He's been, I you know everyone's everyone I think has their reasonable doubts about Joe Root's captaincy, but you know when it comes to spin bowling in particular, uh, Root I don't think has quite got the hang of what to do with spinners in his side. I mean, he didn't even have his spinner in his side last summer. He didn't, he didn't pick Leach at all, which was remarkable. So here's a guy who, again, we all know what happened to him in the ashes. He gets picked and picked at Brisbane, dropped at Adelaide, um, completely discombobulated. And, you know, his year was bookended by beastings, frankly, uh, with Travis Head on the one end and Richard Pant on the other. So incredibly hard for him to try and try and um, process all of that, then come back into the side as almost a new kid on the block in insofar as he's hardly played and also you know charged with consecutive fourth innings being the spinner it's your job to win it he did damn well and and on consecutive occasions he almost almost broke through you know that new ball the opportunity to bowl with a new ball was was useful for him got a bit more bounce but more overspin with it but it just went a bit flat for him and hopefully he will he will he will learn a bit more but at the other end albeit for only 21 overs compared to 94, there was Lawrence, you know, fizzing it up and, you know, hitting the seam with his, you know, with his finger spin, which is almost, he was almost leg, almost watching, watching leg breaks with finger, finger spin. And again, you know, you, you can't teach that, uh, but you can cultivate it and you can expect, you know, Lawrence to be used more. And again, I, I also think that Lawrence's, Lawrence's commitment to trying to bowl magic balls that will, get wickets on flat decks may actually unlock England's mindset and persuade them to drum roll give give Matt Parkinson a go in, in Grenada because you know they, they 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 have got to take wickets if they want to win this series and they've they've not been able to do that the only guys who've looked likely Lawrence on the one hand Saki Mahmood with his reverse swing on the other uh, and and the new ball when when used properly and it hasn't been used properly very very often unfortunately uh, will England spin the wheel in, in Grenada? I, I mean, uh, the, yeah, there's a lot um, of moving parts, I suppose, there, Matt, in, in the in the shape of England's potential attack um, for this next test and how um, people have performed thus far. Leach, uh, just to, to stick with him for a little bit longer, um, uh, Miller mentioned that workload 94.5 overs 40 maidens uh six for 154 uh most overs in a test for england since tony Locke in dhaka in 1962 i think um but it was a a really odd uh game for him in that the pitch either seemed to do nothing or do too much and it almost always seemed to be on the cusp of kind of breaking up uh, or him breaking the game open um, from that point on the on the second uh, sorry the third morning I think when he bowled uh, you know uh, two or three deliveries to uh, Brooks and Brathwaite um, that that really fizzed and and spun and then he got Brooks out with a a, a bit of a half tracker um, and, and a bad shot but then throughout. Uh, he, he he would find really good deliveries. Um, he eventually beat Brathwaite with with you know as you mentioned a sort of an unplayable one. Um, but equally, there were times when it when it went very flat. Um, yeah, it was hard to think of where you could criticise him. But um, it, 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 I suppose it showed up some of his strengths and weaknesses. Um, whether that is a, a, a reluctance to toss it up, uh, or, or you know, we we talked a lot in, in, with previous spinners for, uh, for England, kind of. Moe and Ali finding the optimum 
pace the ball out at test level and and the suggestion yeah. that's often a bit quicker because it gives batsmen less time to react um perhaps in this case it looked it certainly looked like when he slowed it up um on occasions it it turned more david gow was was adamant that it was it was going to turn more if he dropped by for sort of five six kph um but you know, i mean yeah uh, england know what they've got with leach i suppose and he performed very well um even even within those limitations yeah, I, I basically agree with pretty much everything that's been said. I think um, I, I think he, he bowled very well. You've got to give a huge amount of credit to the, the, the resilience he's shown. As, as Miller mentioned, he got pasted a couple of times last year and treated pretty bizarrely by the management. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty big show of faith in him, picking him for this tour and giving him uh, the bowling workload and the role that he's had. And I think he's probably, uh, you know, I don't think England have, probably learned a huge amount about Leach other than um, the fact that he's probably been a lot more um, stable in a containing role than we've seen before in his test career. I think partly as a, um, it's partly been a byproduct of where he's played because he's generally played quite a lot of tests in Asia, but um, his, his economy rate has probably been slightly surprisingly high, I would say, across the course of his test career. Um, when often when England have been looking to pick a spinner at home, they want someone who can sort of hold an end up and then you have the quicks rotating with the old ball at the other end. Um, I suppose the interesting one is, is what this actually means for him in the sort of medium or long term and whether come, uh, you know, June next year against New Zealand, you have quite a few left-handers in their top order and on some green tracks, whether or not Leach is sort of an automatic pick or whether he, um, you know, is going to get squeezed out again. And uh, as mentioned, the fact that, you know, Lawrence and to a lesser and extent, and Jay have both... <laughs> have both bowled pretty serviceably. Um, Lawrence in particular, I agree with Miller, looked particularly threatening despite not really um, getting rewarded for it in that on that final day with the overspin he was getting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can, I can definitely see a, a world in which they can go into the first test of next summer playing five seamers, um, one of them being Stokes. But um, yeah, no, it, it, it is an interesting one. And I suppose um it, it if it does look like another flat one um, at Grenada or a Turner, because I, I do remember that, I think last summer West Indies played South Africa in some T20s in Grenada um, and Tabre's Shamsi was man of the series and it spun around a bit. Um, there's not a huge amount of recent test or first class cricket to go off there because I don't think they've hosted a test since the 2015. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know whether they'll be tempted to um, have a look at playing a second spinner, but I think um, with hindsight, if they'd, uh, sort of clocked just how flat that pitch was going to be in the second test. Um, I think they would quite possibly have uh, rolled the dice and given given Parkinson a go ahead of um, most likely, I suppose, Matt Fisher, given um, I think he only got two overs on the final day. Um, I, I suppose one of the interesting things for me with Parkinson is that he's, he's I think, obviously, he's, you know, like Mahmood and Fisher, relatively young in his first class career. I think he's played 30-something games, I suppose the interesting thing for me is that his economy rate is probably better than you would expect for a leg spinner, um, which does suggest that despite the fact, obviously, his big thing is that he bowls massive leg breaks and tosses it up, um, he, he does at least have, either he's been captured very well by Dane Villas or um, he, he is able to hold it, perform at least something of a holding role, um, as well as being that attacking option in, in the sort of second or third Sorry, the third or fourth innings of a game. So um, yeah, it would be quite it would be quite unlike England, I think, to to go in with two <laughs> sort of genuine lower order batters who and two spinners in an away test. But um, I suppose, given how um, impotent 
Chris Wokes has looked, especially having been given all this extra responsibility as the attack leader and <clears throat> all this sort of thing. I think he's taken two wickets and in, in 60-something overs in the series. Um, I think they'll be loath to pick him. I think they'll consider picking... It sounds like Robinson and Overton will both be fit, so I think they'll, they'll probably pick at least one of them. Um, but I, I, can, I could see a world in which Parkinson comes in for Fisher and England play two spinners. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll have, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see what the pitch looks like. I That's the sort of yeah optimism we liked here. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, Milo, England have carried uh, uh, Matt Parkinson around in the luggage as you as you as you've written, you know, uh, for several years now, not being quite sure uh, what to do with him or uh, where to use him. Um, and yeah, the uh, the pitch will clearly come into it, but uh, the, there are. This is kind of the crunch moment, I suppose, of this whole, uh, the, the reset, uh, uh, the idea that this tour could um, bring England uh, new options and, and um, have players stepping into the, to the, fill the breach of Broad and Anson and, and all that sort of thing, um, versus um, the pragmatism of actually we just want to win this and then we've won the series, which we, you know, rarely do out here. Um, yeah, as Matt says, Chris Wokes, uh, has uh, had a tough tour, I think two wickets um, at 80 or something at the moment. Um, and Ro Ollie Robinson is fit again. Uh, Matt Fisher bowled very uh, serviceably on debut. Got a wicket with that with his second ball, of course. But you'd think he's kind of last in, first out. Um, Saku Mahmood uh, was also very promising and, and the most successful seamer on that surface as... as um, can constantly wrote for us, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're you're keen to see Parkinson get a roll out as well. But uh, where do you think uh, Root is gonna gonna go? Uh, uh, you know, pitch notwithstanding. Yeah, it was interesting, isn't it? I mean, the the, the as, I, as I wrote this morning, the, the the radical side of this selection has almost been forced on England by by injury and illness. You know, there they were. <laughs> You know, the massive opportunity to really do things differently when you've been off Broad and Anderson. It, it, you, you, you've, you've basically you've written yourself a written yourself a blank slate for better or worse. It's either going to be a disaster because you've dropped them, or a disaster because you've you've picked the picked the kids and given them a go, or it's a triumph because you picked the kids and they've done well. You're not going to get a triumph by dropping Broad and Anderson and picking your bog standard medium pacers who aren't Broad and Anderson, as we as we discovered. You know, it didn't take a failed attempt to have Wokes and, and Overton as England's new ball pairing to know that that wasn't going to work. But because all of that's fallen by the wayside now, we did end up with this situation whereby we got Saki Mahmood, we got uh, got Fisher into the side. We've seen Dan Lawrence playing, as mentioned, with, 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 a, with, a, with a sparky approach. We've seen Ben Stokes coming back to form with the ball as well as the bat. I mean, that, that's not, not, to be, not to be underestimated. He, he has been a factor in in terms of trying to make things happen um so you know almost by accident england have got themselves into a position whereby they can they can get away with having a gamble i think they, you know they, 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 the likelihood is the pitch will be flat therefore if they gamble and it goes wrong they'll probably get a draw uh and if they gamble and get it right they might burgle a win by by burgling 10 10 wickets in each innings and and winning a game and, and you're going to do that by bowling people out and the only way you're going to bowl people out is picking guys who are going to bowl wicket-taking deliveries on these pitches. And the guys who look likeliest to take wickets with wicket-taking deliveries as opposed to applying endless pressure uh, are um, Lawrence, frankly, over Leach, although you've got to pick Leach because, because you know, he's the primary spinner. Um, Saki, because he bowls reverse swing at, 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 a, at a fair lick and has, looked, and has looked the part. And probably 
Matt Parkinson because you know toss it up and see what happens. It, 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 I I don't think line and length is gonna gonna break through on this pitch. Therefore, I'm afraid you know poor old Worksy is is a, a, a surely the 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 time has come to 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 get the shepherd's crook out for him. I'm afraid. Um, but you know, they, they, I, I think it's almost it's almost a shot to nothing here. It, it, this this series is set up for a chance for someone to be a hero. You might as well have a go. I don't, I don't think I don't think England are gonna gonna come away with regrets if they if they can't break break through here if they feel like they've they've given it their best shot by picking the likeliest team to do so. So yeah, why not have a go? I mean, if, as you mentioned, he's he's been touring around the world for two years without getting getting a remotest remotest of look-ins. Um, if you don't pick him now, you might as well just say thanks on your bike. Uh, we're not picking you ever, frankly. You've missed an Ashes cycle already. If he misses the reset after an Ashes cycle, um, what's the point of Matt Parkinson? <laughs> frankly, <laughs> that sounds like a you know a university essay question or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's hope it's Mahmood Fisher. Leach and, and Parkinson then and uh, you know England really do roll the dice Stokes Stokes to provide the steadying hand um just to um uh, to look back at um not so recent history in Grenada but when England won there uh, seven years ago Joe Root scored 182 he's still around um the the bowlers uh, who who did the job uh you you might be able to guess um you've probably heard of them um <laughs> James Anderson and Stuart Board took eleven wickets between them, so uh, <laughs> so maybe you know Chris Wokes is the nearest um, uh, facsimile there. Uh, <laughs> Matt, we should um, we should uh, touch a bit uh, a bit further on on West Indies um, after uh, aside from Craig Brathwaite, it was a team effort, um, uh, but they they, they clearly um, have been on the back foot. Um, I mean, they obviously took a first innings lead in Antigua and, and had England uh, rattled at the start. But, it, you know, for for uh, the, the last sort of six or seven days of Test cricket, uh, England have been on top. Um, they don't have a lot of options in, in their squad if they did want to make changes. Um, Jermaine Blackwood got 100. Uh, he's third in Test cricket, second against England uh, in Barbados. But there are big question marks over... Um, John Campbell at the top of the order uh, and, and Shamar Brooks is recall really as well. Kyle Mayers is the other sort of batting option in the squad. Um, and then there's no Shannon Gabriel uh, still uh, not fit enough to be to be recalled into to the 13 man group. Um, they they filled in a five man attack, of course, throughout this this series. Um, but that, that none of them, none of the bowlers have been able to average under thirty. Um, some some talk of whether Jaden Seals might might need a rest after, you know, a young bowler playing back to back to back tests. Um, and there could be an Anderson involved in this test, but that would be Anderson Philip uh, on debut, who I think is the leading wicket taker in the, the four day competition. But they've only played two games in that, so um, yeah. Uh, th- th- Clearly, Craig Brathwaite will be asking for more of the same in some respects, but um, a bit of a bit of cutting edge and and again a bit of life in the pitch wouldn't go amiss, you'd think. Yeah, I I, I think uh, you're probably probably a decent chance that Carl Mayers will come in for for either Campbell or Brooks. I think uh, Campbell is sort of already well, he's already fished in the last chance saloon, didn't catch anything, and has sort of you know picked up the rod once more. But um, yeah, it's, it's somehow he's surviving um, at the top of that order. Um, and yeah, hasn't looked at all convincing over the course of the series. And I think is, yeah, very much on borrowed time. I think, 
Um, Brooks, similarly, a couple of soft dismissals that he'd be frustrated by, I think. Um, possibly, I think he's actually a pretty frustrating player to watch because he often looks incredibly good um, and then plays a completely inexplicable shot um, just as he's just as he's getting in. Um, so I'll be interested to see whether he keeps his place. I was pretty surprised actually that there's no Shannon Gabriel in the squad because from what um, Desmond Haynes had said before the series, he sort of intimated he was a near miss for the first test um, with a hamstring injury, and I, I sort of expected him to get wheeled out towards the end and um, just get told to steam in as fast as he possibly could um, in Grenada, but it doesn't seem to have happened. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to make a, a couple of changes for this match, but um, I suppose it, it's since Haynes has come in, one of the things that they have done is, is generally trusted the same uh, group of players across the court. I think that he's trying to introduce quite a bit of stability into the squad. So um, for example, after that T20 series against England, they they kept, I think, an, an unchanged T, T20 squad to go to India, um, despite the fact a couple of players who hadn't previously been available now were. I think Evan Lewis was back in contention, but they said, look, we're, we're just going to keep the same group if we possibly can. Um, so I think he, he's his sort of uh, the hallmark, I suppose, of Haynes so far has been continuity. So it uh, wouldn't be a complete shock if they went in unchanged again. Um, I, I think generally, I, I suppose, if you look at their results since um, that Bangladesh series, which sort of, I suppose, marked the the changing of the guard and almost accidental changing of the guard because of the fact that they, um, you know, had had a load of senior players unavailable. Um, I, I think they've they've almost it's almost been one of those where the first task is to stop losing and then um, they can think about winning a few down the line. So I think um, that kind of seems to have been the approach in this series so far. Um, I think that their batting lineup does just look, you know, it, the, the middle order is relatively flaky, especially when Holder has a, an average series as he has so far with bat and ball. So um, I'm sure he, he's hoping that, um, you know, he can uh, go into the IPL on, on on quite a big contract on the back of a, a strong performance uh, in this test. But um, yeah, I think that, that they'll probably see this not too dissimilar to England. They've learned a little bit, steady progress um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get their teeth into whatever gets served off on uh, on Spice Island this week. Indeed, yeah. Um, Milo, you've been pessimistic throughout about England's chances, but this is, you know, it's one shot to glory um, for for both sides. Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I just hope they serve up a pitch that gives a chance, frankly. Uh, you know, England, England have been impressive insofar as they have gone for it into tough situations you know they've 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 had good good goes on the final morning declared after some impressive tonking and given it a good go until the ball went soft um you can't ask for much more in the circumstances they've been given so if there's anything resembling life in this pitch bring it on i, I look forward to look forward to a, a brawl one way or the other and and you know i don't really care who wins or loses now it's uh, i think i think it's important i think west indies have shown an awful lot of pride and resolve in these two tests which is which is as important frankly as uh, as england's reset because you know west indies have, have had their own ups and downs lately so to 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 show once again that when england turn up they turn up and really, really want to put put lay down marker. That has been has been great, great to watch in that sense. Um, 
but yeah, let's just, let's just hope there's a chance for a result. Frankly, that that that's all all I ask. Um, you know, just... I don't look. I look, draw. Look, come come back to the original point. The draw in itself is the greatest thing about Test cricket. Absolutely, the greatest thing about Test cricket is the fact that you know you can be outplayed for days on end and still get away with it because you know you can you can block it out, which is fantastic. But if the pitch is out playing both teams and you end up petering out because there's just no chance of anything happening, that's not the same thing as a competitive draw that has involved one side being bashed against the wall repeatedly but finding a way to survive. That is not what we've had in this series, I'm afraid. And that's the thing that, that, that bugs me. Well, Test cricket will be the winner as long as there is a winner. Um, before we uh... Or a draw. <laughs> but a good draw. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, before we uh, before we wrap up and and just on the 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 themes of um, dash dashed hopes and, and raised expectations, um, Miller out in New Zealand, the the Women's World Cup, uh, England appeared to be sort of shuffling rather ignominiously towards the exit as the defending champions, but um, it's all been turned around in the the space of two wins, um, and now they're on, on the charge again, you know, for the honour of. Losing to Australia in the final, maybe. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a, it's been compelling, hasn't it? I mean, yeah, you're right. It it really is a bit like a bit like a, a tub full of lobsters battling in a in a seafood restaurant. You know, they they're basically getting a, fighting for the honour of being the one to be served up on the plate. But uh, <laughs> but frankly, it has been compelling for that, and and it's not over yet. We got we got an absolute humdinger on Wednesday. South Africa West Indies will be crucial. I mean, it could be decisive, frankly, if South Africa beat West Indies. That's pretty much India and England home and hose, I think. So, um, so it, it, it's a it's a fascinating. As long as tussle. they don't uh, step up. As long as they don't but, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, so it's not completely not completely over, but you know, the, it, it's the, the 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 jeopardy has been relying on other people's results so much of the of the way, and um, and broadly speaking, the, the results have been magnificent. You know. One 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 wicket victories, two wicket victories, three wicket victories, nine run victories. It's been it's been magnificent viewing. Uh, every morning, you know, you get up, get up, and see turn on turn on the telly for the final stages, and it's a cliffhanger. It's been it's been genuinely compelling to watch. Um, so I've I've loved every second of that. In terms of where England are at, I mean, I can't can't fault the resilience they've shown in 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 gritting it out and somehow finding a way across the line in the last few games. Um, I do worry, though, that because of the way that England ended up right up against the backs against the wall, three defeats in a row, uh, that basically their hands were tied. Frankly, I, I, I think if, if it had been the other way around, if they'd had one or two defeats and, and a need to sort of a recognition that, uh, that their team was stale and needed a shake up, um, they could have given that shake. Uh, I'm not, you know, Anya Shrubsoll was the, was the heroine with the bat the other day, but is she still the right person to be leading the line? Yeah, I feel very sorry for Tash Farrant, for instance, uh, not getting a chance to get a look in, in in this World Cup. It's almost as though England have been pushed so far against the wall, they've got no option but to trust the, the tried and tested and, and hope that they can they can rewind the clock to 2017 and, and produce a miracle. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, you know, theme, the theme of the winter has been pessimism. I'm afraid I'm still pessimistic about England's chance of defending their World Cup. But you can't argue that they've shown some fight to give themselves a chance to at least be in the mix in that final four. <laughs> that's that's all we ask for. Um, okay, well, I think that's 
Enough turgid prodding for one week. After roughly one sixteenth of a breath weight, we'll take our leave. The third test starts on Thursday in Grenada, as Matt said, known as the Spice Island. Hopefully this one has a bit more kick to it. We'll be back next week to review the series. Um, until then, my thanks to Miller and Matt and to you all for tuning in. This has been the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickenPro.com.